So, I'm going to take over just for a second. You guys went on elaborating on all the games. It's not our fault you didn't chime in. <laughs> I can't, dude. I could just look up the screenshots of what you guys are talking about. So, we have... I want to have a civil discourse, as Moses puts, puts it. Are you getting somewhere with Final Fantasy Fifteen? No. Okay. We're done with that. We're going on to your favorites and have a civil discourse in thoughts on your favorite and rebuttals on I don't that that one I, I can't mm, a civil I don't even discourse. think that I don't even think that part needs to be necessary. If we're just discussing favorites, like we're not discussing bests. Well not but best. I don't think there needs to be a discussion over the best because I think that fifteen games into the series plus all the spinoffs, you're not going to find a single best. Got it. I think it's really just uh, what's your what resonated the most. What's your favorite? Got it. So what's your favorite? You can go into that, but because I do like, and you know me in, in film, I like a little bit of not conflict. I just want a discussion. So I want to hear your favorite, and then why? What was the other party's? problems with that game like this is where i i can't say that that's my favorite and then have just a rebuttal on on why that is that's just me i want to hear that it's a civil discourse and there's nothing wrong with that that's what I, that's me personally what i want to hear as someone going in here <clears throat> so moses you told me your favorite is six mm-hmm. which is also the best like after that stirring monologue monologue. just kidding jason you have told me that your favorite i'll say it because i think i need to introduce this okay go ahead my favorite is probably the most universally panned final fantasy before you say i want him to guess what he thinks oh the most universally panned keep describing if you had further (laughs) descriptions it was a Final Fantasy that was a follow-up to one of its greatest moments and then changed the entire formula. It was a Final Fantasy that went from kind of abstract-looking character models to its first attempt at hyper-realistic or more realistic character models, and it embraced all things emo. What what do you think? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Which one do you think it is? So this is a sequel. No, no, it's a spinoff. <laughs> no, it's a it's, numbered. It's a numbered. It's a, it's a, it's when you say it followed up, it was like a sequentially. Yeah, a, a yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not two. It's not after years. It's not four. It's not. Is it eight? It's eight. Oh, <laughs> I should have known it was eight. Because that's cause really I, emo. Well, because I t- yeah, they said emo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Opening statements, Jason. Eight. Your favorite. Why it resounded with you the best. Go. Um. Okay. A lot of reasons. I think in part, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the overall the fact that it was so open world. Um. It was like one of the first games that I personally played that just had that level of like. You start off like in the school, and this is bonkers, but then the school becomes a traveling airship, bum, bum, bum. which is really cool. That's one of the coolest parts. Balam Garden, right? Like flying your school around. You know what other thing had a flying school? No, Sky High. Oh, brother! So you were exploring the map. You have total freedom. 
I liked that they introduced through this like time warp thing, this character, this like other side story taking place in the past of this character named Laguna. And you're trying to piece together like where does he fit in to the story? Because he's obviously someone important and it really lets you kind of like see this guy's life from his time as a soldier, but he just wants to be a journalist. And finally you find out like his personal relationship to the characters. I like that they used, um, they changed up the gameplay mechanic and a lot of people hated it because it was so different than anything that came before it. But I liked that rather than leveling or rather than equipping like different armors and different, you know, typical things that up your stats, it was by virtue of what uh, spells you equipped and what guardian force you had. And because so it was more offensively than defensively? No. Oh. Uh, instead of using, instead of upgrading like your swords or your armor, you would equip these like what you think of as a summon, like Ifrit, for instance. You might equip him as that character's guardian force, they called it. And then you could up that character's stats by virtue of what spells you attach to it. And, anyways, there was a whole thing. But what you find out, because that's so central to the to how you strengthen your character, towards the end of the game, you find out your character, well, you always kind of knew you were an orphan, but you find out the people who are in your party, who have been fighting by your side all along, were at the same orphanage with you, but none of you remember each other because equipping the Guardian Force and strengthening them erases memories. And so they really tie in, like, the stronger we get... The harder we fight, by virtue of getting stronger, it erases who we, we lose are. We lose who we are. We lose who we are. Okay, that's a cool concept. I like that. I like that. And then it kind of ties together, you know, I really enjoyed the Laguna story, and then where you kind of find out, you know, his uh, lineage to some of the characters. And then even though, so at the time, it probably really resonated for me, because I'm kind of an emo person, and Squall's one of the most emo Final Fantasy protagonists. If not the. If not the <laughs> premier. If not the premier emo. But I think if you kind of look back at it again with a different set of eyes, there is a certain level of like, he doesn't stay there. He's not a static character. He starts off super emo, but throughout the course of the game, it's really an exploration of him realizing like, I'm kind of just being a dick right now. I really need to like embrace the fact that I have friends around me. And then there's a very, whereas Final Fantasy 15 has the least earned love story of all time. Final Fantasy 15, I mean, eight, eight. I'm sorry. Final Fantasy eight really explores and takes the entire game to kind of earn, earn your trust of like, dude, this bozo squall is kind of learning how to be a regular person and learning that he's in love with this girl. Um, is it always like some, sure there's cringeworthy moments of his emo-ness, but it's actually pretty well done, especially if you just kind of delve into the mindset of like, he's supposed to be like a 17 or 18 year old dude. Um, I really think it's well done. And even though I think it's probably one of the most hated Final Fantasies for me, it just really resonated. I really like what they did with the story. I like the gameplay mechanics, even though it was so different. Um, I like the the title song, Eyes on Me. Um, oh, my gosh. Didn't you <laughs> sing that in one of our episodes? 
Uh, probably, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, in Japanese? <laughs> probably, I don't know. No, you did that. You did sing one thing in Japanese. Oh, that was, one of the, that was the theme from Macross. Oh, that's right. Do You Remember Love? Yeah. Um. Anyways, that's that's my favorite. That's the one that has stuck with me the longest. And tw- like 12 is a very close runner-up. And 15, as much as I hate it for so many reasons, it's super underdeveloped. The world, the world itself is super underdeveloped. But I really like the friendship in that game. Two com- Eight's the, my favorite, though. Two things for me, the dummy. Number one, a comment. Number two, a question. Comment is, I'm looking up uh, screenshots of eight. And freaking, that's PS1? It's yeah. PS1. The graphics are pretty freaking good. Yeah, especially the cutscenes. Yeah. Oh, I don't know the cutscenes. I'm just saying, like, the That like was the, the first game I stuff. ever played where the cutscenes were seamless. To where it's like you're watching, you just finished a battle, and then it like focuses on like something on the ground, and then the controller starts vibrating, and it's like, oh, it automatically shifted into a cutscene. What? And it wasn't like loading times before it or whatever. It yeah. just kind of was seamless. I thought that was a cool, mind blowing thing for the time. That was my comment that for PS1, that actually looks pretty, really good. PS1. Number two, what is a Renzu Kuken? I think that's one, one of, of Squall's. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of Squall's ultimate attacks. Oh, okay. Because he com- was the first person to have a gun blade. Dude, a gun blade. <laughs> Stab somebody and shoot him. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. So that's why, because there's commands here, and it's Renzu cooking, magic, draw, revive. Those are the commands. And they're selfie, Squall, and Zell fighting this big black, red spider thingy. So those are my two things. Moses, your favorite? Uh, my favorite was Final Fantasy VI. It's interesting uh, thinking in terms of types of personalities and collections of Final Fantasies that you find homes in. Um, I n- well, I've got a, one of my friends who appeared on uh, the podcast. His favorite is 8, and I think his second favorite is 12 as well. Um, and then, like, I like that man. Right, yeah. I, I don't know his name, but we're going to be best friends. And I mean, people so like that. So I think it's, it speaks to the series being able to interact deeply with different personalities. So um, I like Six. Six is um, probably the popular choice for favorite next to Seven. Um, six is the Super Nintendo's. Uh, crowning achievement next to Chrono Trigger, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Talking about Aladdin. Six. Dude, oh yeah, Disney's Aladdin. Oh, that was a great. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Wasn't on my list though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, six had uh, the greatest Final Fantasy villain, Kefka, who was basically Emperor Joker from that. <laughs> yeah, from pretty that, much. Yeah, from that book where you know mixes Bitlick. Gives his powers to the Joker. Oh, Mixoplex. I call him Mixoplex. Yeah, that's how they pronounce it on Super Friends. So, uh... That is older. Get out. (laughs) That that is older than, uh... Hey, remember uh, Gilbert Gottfried on the Superman Superman animated series? Gilbert Gottfried was on Superman animated series? As Mr. Mixie's Spitlick. That's how you pronounce it on. Mixie's Spitlick. Mixie's... Yeah, anyways. Whatever. It's felt weird. Kefka uh, is is a character that you don't even remotely expect to be the final villain on six. Oh, I would think a giant ass looking Joker is pretty obvious. Well, <laughs> at first he starts off as this comic relief, like bungling henchman. Is he a part of your team? 
No. Oh. Yeah, he's uh he's a henchman for this empire, the Empire's of the Big Bad at the beginning of the game. Um quite a long game. Uh beautiful balance of linearity and openness. An ensemble cast, so it's hard to find a real protagonist slash main character in in six. Um people sort of gravitate to their own characters, Sellies, Terra, Locke. Uh Locke is my personal uh main character in six. Um, six did a lot of incredible things and like the villain wins in six and then the game keeps going. Uh, I feel like it's final fantasy 15 tried to emulate that, but didn't quite get there. Right. I think so too. Well, imagine if, so remember in six, the world of ruin, right? Yeah. After the world of balance, after Kefka wins, um, imagine if six was just the world of ruin. And all you did was fly around in your airship and find stuff and do things. That's sort of 15. But it would miss the linearity that builds up to the world of Ruin that makes that that much more impactful. That you're like, dude, is Shadow dead? Uh, these towns are ruined. Like, And you go back and you're like, all these memories that I built in Opera House and right. um, all these weird places, the airship and, and things like that, are gone. And um, there's a moment in 6... That's one of the most, uh, that's one of the rawest moments in the Final Fantasy series where one of the characters deals with suicide. Um, It's not really something that you'd expect, especially on the Super Nintendo before realistic graphics. Um, But she gives up hope after uh, the world ends. She's taking care of. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, she's trapped on this island with a, a dying old man, and every day. The game conveys that sense of despair to you by having you try to feed the old man enough fish to keep him alive, and you can't do it. You could try, but there's no way to do it. So eventually, he dies, and you feel with the character because you've gone through all that tedium, a real sense of loss. Um, And then when she casts herself off the cliff, you're like, I thought the game was over. I mean, I thought... One of Did the you think like you messed up, or like you you could have you could have? I didn't know what to or... think. Yeah, I mean, like, is this the end of? The... I thought the credits were going to roll, because um, the last character that was alive, as so far as I knew, just tried to kill herself. You know, and so something like that in a game that has things as silly as a dude trying to suplex a a train, <laughs> 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 which is which is one of the reasons why I never want them to remake six. Don't ever remake six in realistic <laughs> graphics. You can't have a dude suplex a train in realistic graphics. You can't, you know. And Kefka's we laugh would be really crappy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it looks stupid. Uh, but there's moments in there, like there's a character whose family dies from being poisoned by the Empire, and they board this ghost train, and he has to, he had just has to watch them and unable to communicate with them, and it goes off, and it's this really haunting scene in like a game that's otherwise fairly silly. Um, so it's emotional capacity to do all those things, um, is I think a really strong point of six. So real quick, what I hear from both of you guys, this is just me as the dummy. We're not going to fight. I'm not going to say I'm going to fight. I was going a different way. All right. All right. All right. The way you described it, just by non setting up parameters or anything like that, just the way you described it, you described me, either you don't take offense to this, but. An overarching story of an entire game, which is a start finish, 
not big points within the game. You said that just the game as its entirety. I felt it. The cutscenes, the beauty of it, um, the, the the characters, just one lump sum. When Moses described that was when you described eight. When you described six, I it it sounded like you liked the game more for independent moments more than the game as a whole. Is that a right assessment? Yeah. Um, and the reason why that you like the game as a whole is because these moments yeah. resounded with me so much more yeah. than the game as a whole. Like, these moments I are so good. I think when people talk about Six, they frequently talk about the iconic scenes. Um, those are the things that pop into your head mostly. It's been a while since I've played it, too. I've played through it several times. But, um, so those are the things that come to memory. Uh, it is quite a long game, too. Um, probably as long as eight. Um, it's a, for a single cartridge, it's a pretty long game. Um, especially if you try to get everything. So I don't really recall sort of the overarching story. Um, and I think that to give eight its due, I think that eight is much more focused on its characters and on certainly the central, uh, inner journey that Squall goes through than anything in six. Six is much more an ensemble, like I mentioned, much more of an of a, a large cast, almost like a theater play. Um, in six, whereas eight is more like a a drama, like a hardcore, um, like a movie drama. Um, that that technology allowed, like six doesn't have cutscenes. Okay, you know, no, I, mean, I just looked up the, the screenshots of it. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a sixteen bit Super Nintendo game. I mean, it had moments where you're watching things happen. Yeah. But it doesn't have full motion video or anything like that. Which is my my personal final moment, and then you can take this out just for me as the dummy. I looked at you know you know uh, screenshots from all the games, but the jump from six to seven to eight that period of time was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're jumping from two D to three D. Yeah. Now consider too, early three D was ugly. I mean, there's some stuff that you can find in seven that are like that looks atrocious. Right. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it looks really bad. But that jump had to happen in order for technology to advance. Right. But I think that if you're talking about two D stuff, um, Final Fantasy VI looks as good as anything coming out in two D today. I it still looks amazing. It had three D aspects. It had sprite. Uh, does it with sprites or the the um characters and models that are overlaid over 2d backgrounds um it had sprite design that it's super complex and like beautiful still works of art um that weren't animated of course but um it looks like they were ripped straight out of you know hand drawn art yeah and then they just digitized it into pixels um but yeah you're right that jump from six to seven is phenomenal. Yes. And in, in, in its difference. Or even like seven seven to eight, there was actually a good jump there too. Yeah. But more so from six to seven, yeah. there was a huge 2D to 3D jump. is a huge gap. That was a huge jump. Yeah. So real quick, when I asked you about six a couple a couple days ago, you, you mentioned something. I don't remember the finer details of it, but was six supposed to be three or something like that? Yeah. So or? originally, um, Square didn't bring all of the Final Fantasy games over to the West because they thought apparently some of them were too hard for Westerners. Hard so, to play? Yeah. Hard to get through. Um, which I was like, they shouldn't have brought over one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> so they brought over they brought over one. I believe it's the original two and the original three were Japan only for a while. And so when they released Final Fantasy IV, yeah, they had to ship it to the West, and they're like, well, people are going to be confused because we had one and four. So they named that two in the U.S., and then they named six three. So Uh, I still have the Super Nintendo cartridge where it says Final Fantasy III on it, but it's actually Final Fantasy VI, the sixth that they ever made, but the third that was released in the the West. West. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention that Six has the song Dancing Mad um, by Nobuo Umatsu, who composed a majority of the music for the early Final Fantasy. He's kind of dropped off around like 12 is when he stopped producing, uh, composing a lot of the music. But his favorite piece that he ever wrote, apparently, is Dancing Mad. And it's this 14-minute long where they told him, we're like, you could do whatever you want. <laughs> and so oh, God. He created this, like, rock ballad that mixes in, like, Baroque, like, pipe organ and has all these different segments to it. Like, one part will be really happy and, like, one part will be really, like, gothic. And then another part will be, like, this hardcore rock riff. And it's such a crazy great song. Is it is is that song going to the battle of... Joker, Kafka, yeah, yeah, Tefka. yeah. It's the final battle. Um, is the final battle fourteen minutes long? The final battle is segmented, so you start because so basically Dude, you don't know about Japanese. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, like, like this isn't even my final days. form is a meme because <laughs> like of literally, games like I this. mean, just think about Frieza. Yeah, it's literally yeah. that. Like, oh, I'm this form, and oh, I'm gonna power up. Now yeah. I'm this form, and now I'm final form. That's like, but you're playing it in real time, like Japanese RPGs, like final boss, like at least an hour long battle yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So, Kefka, so you have to get a shit ton of potions. Uh, if that. <laughs> if that. Um, well, so Kefka in 60 seconds, Kefka was a um, science experiment by the Empire where they tried to fuse him with magical technology. It ended up. Is a robot? No, he's a, hu- he's a human being. Um, but it snapped his mind, and he went insane, basically. So he's a joker, right? Um, and he's also sort of the clown jester of yeah. the Empire. Um, so it it drove him... His perspective is nihilism, right? So, like, non-existence is yeah, better nihilism, than existence, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like, he has this famous line toward the end where he says to the party members, I will build a monument to non-existence. And you're like, well, what even is that? that sounds like a... Like is a, that monument itself non-existent? Yeah. Like, then how do you build it? Sounds anyways, like a... Like a- yeah. Inverted of itself. So halfway through the game, 75% of the way through the game, he throws off the balance of the world by shifting these statues, the goddesses of magic, and creating this convergence of magic that like flows into him. So he becomes like a deity and rules over the planet. He has like his own cult that like worships him and stuff like that. And he like resides on this thing. So when you on this floating continent, so when you actually come to fight him, it's this weird like renaissance tower of bodies where like he's like reclining like on himself and like there's like monsters everywhere and it's like this tower so as you fight parts of him it scrolls up and like there's other parts where like like reclining again in like these weird renaissance poses and uh and like there's even i think i i can't remember what the exact image looked like but it almost looked like like mary holding the christ child but like it was himself like, this is weird. So when you get to the very apex of this thing, then he, like, descends as, like, this seraph. Uh, but 
he has like a clown face at the same time, like the most frightening thing on earth, like a clown deity. But um, so yeah, there's this huge long fight, and every time you fight a segment and it advances up this tower, um, the song changes. Dancing Mad evolves into like a new form. So yeah, really just crazy. Who's the boss in eight? I heard about Tekiko, um, whatever. No. So Final Fantasy VIII revolves around. Are you gonna be like? It didn't really have a boss. He was his own worst enemy. No. Well, there is a part of it. <laughs> it's a part there of it. is a part of that in the sense of. So the the bosses revolve around the game like uh, a series of like sorceresses. So you kind of find out like the almost mercenary group that Skull belongs to is like an army being trained to fight like these sorceresses that would come to like kind of take over the world sort of thing. And the final one is like Ultimisia or something. And her guardian force basically you find out is almost like what Squall's own nightmare version of like the ultimate guardian force would be. So you first have to fight that before you fight her, but she's the ultimate boss. And fun fact, I think, Oh, so cool. was like, this beautiful unexpected moment for me when I was first fighting uh, the first time at the final boss. Like, and one, and one other thing that's kind of cool. So you have like, I think six people in your party, but you can only have three at a time. And I had my three favorite. So I like super hardcore leveled them up. And the other were like chumps who are under, <laughs> underpowered. <laughs> and so, but when you first enter the final boss, like you can't pick who's in your party. It's like a random, like these three are up. And so I was getting my butt kicked and then they died and I'm like, no, my friends. And then like my hardcore team kind of, I finally got them all into place and I'm almost about to win. Oops. And then you, and then I died. I dropped my vape. No, (laughs) actually my party died. Right. But earlier before someone had died, I had cast a Phoenix down and or something like that i don't remember this was so many years ago but i had totally everyone died and unexpectedly like i was resurrected with just enough hp to win that sounds like a very like awesome badass moment as a player yeah exactly it was like i couldn't have planned this in my wildest dreams if i tried (laughs) but it just happened (laughs) and so i think that really stuck with me like this is amazing and so you fight her but like there's this whole like time warp aspects where he gets like lost in time. And then you find there's this like earlier scene in the, in the game where him and the love interest is like filled of flowers. And he's like, no matter what happens, like I promise I'll be waiting for you here. So when he's like lost in the middle of time, it's like getting back to that one moment Mm. is like what anchors him and allows him ultimately to like find his way back through the time stream to everyone. I think for me, something about the, like as emo as I am, the like, this like really romantic, like junior high, I guess, probably version of romantic. But nonetheless, I was like really tied with me of like, that is so amazing. Like he's waiting for her. She's waiting for him in this field of flowers. And throughout all of time and space, he's going to get back. It was really surreal, but it was cool. Promise. Promise. This is the last question. Cause I know the well-read mage needs to get going. Uh, How many cast sleep on me? <laughs> <laughs> no promise. Last question. Would you guys be down? If, uh, one of the games in the future, hey, Kingdom Hearts Extravaganza. Before you, Kingdom Hearts we, Three, we will have a Kingdom Hearts Extravaganza when the when the when the game comes out. We're gonna have another episode. Hopefully, maybe we can have the Well Read Mage back on there once we play it. 
Um, so, quick question. There's a lot of different worlds Persona here. Persona 5? <laughs> <laughs> why is that funny? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> because no one has cast sleep on you yet. Oh, yeah, I was like, that's really funny. Um, no, quick question. Uh, let's say that they these games come out within uh, you know the next couple of years, whatever. But let's say a, a big number, let's say twenty or a, a final Final Fantasy game in the future, where it is Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it's all these past games that you've been That's playing for Final 30. Fantasy Dissidia. Yeah, it's kind oh, of already, man. A thing, but it's a fighting. It's a fighting handheld. Well, if it was like an actual storyline of like you get to pick out of all these characters that you have picked and their journey and it's here and now it's the ultimate I'd play battle. It. Would you play it? Would yeah. you be down for that? A story like that, Jay? If it's not on handheld, <laughs> I'd play it. <laughs> Console release. Jay? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah? You know what I want to see is like, yeah, more more Kingdom Hearts references but imagine if you took out the disney villains and was just like the final fantasy villains like kefka and sephiroth alone would be great to see yeah but they would scare the shit of my kids well yeah (laughs) oh like kefka yeah it's like hello kids hello children voiced by tim curry yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) or just the the candy kid the candy the candy master from like chitty chitty bang bang oh yeah yeah long nose yeah yeah hello children and then yeah sephiroth can be the bishonen for that so look it up dope jay take us out all right, guys. Well, if you made it this far. Oh, they will. <laughs> we're super grateful. This is an incredibly fun walk down memory lane and some of our most nostalgic and cherished moments in video game history. I hope you guys can share with us some of yours, whether on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to find us. We are ready and eager to hear from you. Um, follow us on, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, hit us up, guys. Follow us. Subscribe. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Jason. Danny. And our very special honored guests. Yeah, Moses, the well-read mage. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>